to the sixth episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. My name is Henry Bell. I'm still in the middle of Sardinia recording this, so just a little bit closer to the, to the beautiful place that we're talking about. But literally in the shadow of Vesuvio, even though it's nighttime, is my co-host, Michele Borelli, at Napoli Tickets on Twitter. Ciao, Michele. How's it going, man? Well, you know how it's going. You know. <laughs> not that well but yeah happy to do it again episode six mate we did it we got to six no one's gonna stop us we're gonna keep going now um listeners Michele kept me waiting for 32 minutes okay <laughs> 32 minutes Michele we were supposed to start recording at nine o'clock it was 9 32 when you arrived on the zoom call do you know how many stereotypes do you know how many people have to fight these stereotypes every day what possible reason could you have for being this late? I was eating pasta and I was eating fior di latte. I regret nothing. <laughs> and there are no stereotypes there either. I love it. <laughs> you did send me a picture of the uh, fior di latte and it, it looked magnificent. A brick of mozzarella. I myself, I, I'm in the middle of Sardinia. I had some coolagones for, for my dinner, which were equally excellent. Homemade by my mother-in-law. Anyway... Episode six. Uh, what is six in the in the Neapolitan Tombola Michele? Do you want me to say it? We'll say it in Neapolitan and then we can use our imaginations. All right. So first of all, you know, let me preface it by saying that if you're not familiar, if you guys are not familiar with the Neapolitan Tombola, it's basically 90 numbers and each number has a different meaning. And they are very different, you know, it could mean like one is Italy and 23 is the stupid. And uh, there are some funny ones, you know, the octopus in the in the guitar, something that I don't remember which number is that. Uh, but yes, yeah, some of them can be a little bit dirty, maybe I would say. And okay. uh, yes, we're all adults so here, we're all adults here. That's nice. Know. And uh, yeah, number six is definitely one of them. So, so literally speaking, I mean... Okay, number six is Kill Guardanter. Okay, so it translates as, um, how would you translate it? Uh, the one which looks at the ground, the thing that looks at the ground. And uh, so, literally speaking, that's the translation. Uh, the actual meaning of number six is, oh, can I say it? The female, the female, the, the female genitalia, let's say that, yes. yes. Because obviously, if you think about it, it's always looking at the ground. So, or that's... it depends on your, I mean, sometimes it could be, it depends. I mean, it could be looking the other way. Anyway, we'll leave. <laughs> let's, yeah. we'll leave. That's, we'll leave. A... <laughs> that's for another episode, another podcast, I think. <laughs> there are, I'm sure there are some excellent gynecology podcasts, which, you know, if you want sponsorship, no, I don't know. Anyway, so there we go. That's number six. Now, in the interest of equality, uh, Michele, are other, genitals from other genders represented in this in this tombola uh yes i don't remember what's the number 
But when they, I will get that, hopefully, hopefully we'll make that many podcasts. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. But yeah, no, there is. Yeah, no, it's very, yeah. No, it's both males and females. Don't worry about that. This is what happens when you, instead of recording in the afternoon, you record in the evening. Everything gets filthy. Um, <laughs> anyway, there you go. There's a bit, a bit of raunch. We'll get, we'll triple our listenership, Michele, because of this, this filthy content. Um, anyway, <laughs> we'll do anything for listeners. Honestly, we'll literally do anything. Um, no, so yeah, I mean, we know, and you've probably, everyone listening has probably listened to lots of other podcasts talking about the unfortunate result at the weekend um before we get into that well mm. where did you watch the game Michele first of all yeah well obviously Curva B as okay. usual unfortunately I watched, yeah I watched it in a bar in in Tonara in central Sardinia it Sorry. took me half an hour it, it was it's quite rural here it took me a long time to find but I turned up just as Fiorentina scored and then to make matters worse, the barman supported Milan. And there weren't a lot of people in there that were cheering for Napoli. You'll be amazed to hear, Michaela. So I was there being quite loud. So I'm never going back to that bar again. Thanks Thank for all the advice on Twitter, everybody. They were saying, keep drinking. Because when I bought a drink, we scored. But that didn't help either. So, yeah. I know, man. It's uh, very disappointing. And uh, I don't know. Like I'm happy, we, I'm happy we didn't record this yesterday. Because I was... I was very, very angry yesterday and, and obviously on Sunday too. Like I was pissed, you know, it's, it was extremely disappointing. And unfortunately, you know, I read some, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about the, the games yet, quite just yet, but I think in the last five games I watched at home, I've seen four losses. So maybe it's my fault, you know? I think and, that's uh, the only logical explanation is that you are cursed. Yeah. Don't know what happened against Sudanese because we won against Sudanese. But yeah, we lost eight home games so far. Eight Probably. home games. Including Coppa Italia and... Uh, Including yeah. everything. Yeah, Europa League, Coppa Italia and everything. Eight home games. It's a lot, it's a lot of games to lose. At that's too home. many. If that's we're honest, too many. that is too many. And that's obviously the, the big problem that we got is, is that... And despite the fact that there are, you know, as we talked about on this show, that we've got a change of heart from, from the ultra, there's this energy, there's this feeling in the city, there's people getting behind the team. But weirdly, it translates to, because I mean, our away record is incredible. It's the best in the league, but at home, eight losses, no thanks. Um, so how do you get rid of a curse in, in Naples? What are the people you can go and see to get rid of the evil eye? What what no. do we need to sponsor you to go and see someone, Michele, to get rid of your <laughs> maybe, curse? yeah. No, but the funny thing is that every time the stadium is full, then this happens. And this has been going on for um for years now. You know, there is it's kind of like a, a joke here that every time the stadium is sold out or it's very close to being sold out, Napoli plays really badly. And you know, like you could tell you could say that, yeah, obviously that happens because when the stadium is sold out, it means that Napoli's playing a very you know, strong opponent, but what's the excuse against Fiorentina? I mean, Fiorentina is a good team. I'm not saying it's a bad team. This is the second time they win in Napoli just this season. Yeah. And uh, Italiano is a really good manager, very bold, and uh, like like Spalletti. Bold. When I mean when I say bold, I mean hairless. <laughs> I think I, th- I think I think it contributes a lot to you know, like uh, being good as a manager. That's a uh, 
you know, well, the bolder you are, the bolder you are, the better. Yeah. So I'm getting there, but I, you know, maybe my future is is managing Napoli. But yeah, there there were two eggs on the touchline. I think. I mean, it's interesting to say that. I was thinking the other day, Insigne's best season for us, apart from 2016-17, was when there were no fans. True. You know. Interesting. Yes, I agree. I think Insigne is very weak in terms of, you know, mental uh, strength. He's always been weak like that. He's, he's also admitted that himself. He's always said, said you know, like, I know my limits. They, they, I'm a captain now. I need to motivate the team instead of complaining. He's always been like that. Every time there was a problem with his contract, you know, even in the past or when someone put him in doubt, you know, his role in the team in doubt, then he always underperformed, always. He's not the guy. That's why I always, that's why I say, you know, in senior, I don't think he's fit as a, as a captain, I always said that. I think our last, I think I already mentioned it here, but I think our last real captain, as, at, at least in the way I perceive a captain is supposed to behave, uh, was Paolo Cannavaro. Because Hamsik, you know, I loved Hamsik, but come on. That guy he suffered a, from a similar, similar thing, actually, than in, in Sydney, I think. Come on. It's like, it's a very, like, it's an extremely uh, professional player. You know, like he always trained you know, first to come to the uh, to the training center, last to leave and stuff like that. That's true. But he has a charisma of a of a, of a snail, man. It's he's never been a charismatic player. Um, Insigne is the same. Insigne is very weak. I think our probably our unofficial captain right now is Koulibaly. Yep. And he also didn't play that well, actually. And he has a tendency to to not do brilliantly in the games when the pressure's on, and we saw it again. I thought our defense was particularly poor. Um, but yeah, so I think, what do we do? I mean, I suppose your job is to help people get into that stadium, Michaela. So maybe you need to um, have a word with people before they come into the stadium <laughs> to say, look, we, we can't put Mr. Mr. Insigne under, under pressure. I mean, don't, I want to just separate Insigne the player from Insigne the captain. Like Insigne the player has given us some of the greatest performances we've ever seen in that shirt he has been fantastic at times and, and been incredible and I, I love watching him play but yeah he's not a captain and I think there is a problem with this team and I think there is a problem with the mentality I don't think it's controversial to say that and from your perspective as someone that goes to the stadium and sees the matches in the stadium can you can you see that on the pitch can can you see the panic? Can you see the lack of composure? Is that something that, that, that gets talked about as well by other fans in the Krova? Yes, I see the confusion. That's what I see. I think one of the advantages of watching games from the stadium is that you can look at all the players at all times. You are not forced to watch what the, obviously what the camera is showing you. And I often do that. That's why I don't really like watching games on television because I like to have this wider perspective on the whole pitch. And uh, so, for example, one thing I noticed immediately in the second half was that Zanoli started walking. Like the whole second half, Zanoli started walking. He had a very bad attitude the whole second half, and obviously, as we all saw, it led to it led to uh, well a couple of big mistakes. I don't know, one of which led to a goal, and yep. uh, that was really I was very not surprised. But I had complained. I had been screaming some stuff to Zaniolo. Maybe, or maybe I didn't. 
uh, and unfortunately, yeah, it led, yeah, it, it, it didn't help at all. Um, you can see, you know, the attitude, you know, um, there were no ideas, a lot of confusion. You can see when Ramani starts dribbling past one player, two players, and then he's not happy and he's, he, he attempts a, a third dribbling and he obviously fails and that leads to Fiorentina's goal. You can tell that this team has no idea what to do with the ball, especially in the second half, but even the first half, you know, it was really bad. Was really I was swearing bad. a lot in a Sardinian bar when when Rachmani did that. I mean, you 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 called you called this actually a few episodes ago. You were saying you know when I think it was after the was it the Inter game, you know when when Kulubali is your one attacking outlet when he's dribbling the ball out of defense. You know something's gone wrong, and there's something wrong with the setup of the team, and the fact that I mean. I think Rachmani is completely at fault, but the fact that he felt like he had to do that is also something that we kind of see. So that's interesting that you see that from the stadium, you can see that lack of composure, you know, off the ball. Maybe Zanoli has got an excuse. It's his second start. You know, I mean, you hope that Spalletti and the people that look at the games and look at the footage will give him a hammering for that. But there are much more experienced players that for whatever reason, this is a broken record, isn't it, Michele? For what reason they can't... You know, I'm writing an article at the moment about uh, Cinque Maggio 2002, right? Yeah. When Inter bottled it and Juve won their 26th Scudetto. It's hard to write about Juve's success. <laughs> but it's interesting, looking back at that footage, you can see the fact that Inter are going to melt down by the way they walk out to the pitch. And you look at Marcello Lippi's Juventus team... And the way they come out and they look like robots, basically. They look, they look just like something out of Star Wars. They're wearing like all black kit or black shirts and they come out and it's terrifying. They score two goals after like 10 minutes or something. And then they don't let anything go. And they're just a winning machine. It's Inter all over the place. Um, and it got me thinking when I was watching the game, because I'm doing research at the moment, that we looked like Inter on Cinque Maggio 2002, just in terms of how spooked we were, how panicked we were, the decision-making was all over the place. Who, so, so you mentioned Zanoli, Michele, who, who else would you say would be guilty of that? No, but the problem is that, you know, the whole team really played that, didn't play that well. I mean, at least the vast majority of it. And when every player plays badly, I don't think the problem is in the individual players. So I think you're right. You know, like we can blame Ramani for what he did, which is wrong. It's technically wrong. He, he made a wrong decision, wrong choice. And uh, yeah, we paid the, we unfortunately, we had to concede a goal for that. But he did that because he had no other choice. And he didn't have a choice. He hadn't had a choice for many, many minutes up to that point. And when that, you know, like, players start to get frustrated after that. You know, Koulibaly was the same. I remember um, reading an interview from Koulibaly, which I think it's enlightening. It was very interesting to me. Koulibaly was talking about uh, Rafa Benitez, okay? Because obviously he joined Napoli when under Rafa Benitez. It was Rafa Benitez who actually wanted Koulibaly to join us. And I remember reading Koulibaly saying um, that he said with, Rafa Benitez in a video room and they watched footage of Koulibaly plays. And they were, they were like good plays, you know, Koulibaly taking the ball and leaving the defense line, going forward and doing very good stuff or attempting very risky but successful tackles, for example. 
And uh, after seeing this footage, Kulebeli said to Rafa Benitez, he said, I mean, I was good, right? That was great. Why are you showing me that? There was very great plays. And Benitez said, I'm showing you this because I don't want you to do this at all. What you're seeing here is something I don't want you to do. And mind you, they were successful plays. Mm. But in the mind of Benita, I think it, I don't like Benita. I mean, I think Benita didn't really do that well here. But I yeah. think he was right in that. I, I think uh, prob- Sari probably said something similar to Kulibali because we didn't oh, see Kulibali did doing job. stuff. Right? He did that job under Sari. His job was it to start attacks under Sari. It was Jorginho. He started exactly. the moves. Then you had Hamsik who could bring the ball forward. You had so much other stuff going on. There was a cohesion from yes. defence to midfield. To Koulibaly attack. was not a playmaker with Sarri or Benitez. And Benitez was very... And why I'm, the, the reason why I'm mentioning it is that when Koulibaly gave this interview and spoke about that, he said something like, that helped me grow because Benitez helped me understand what I don't have to do and what I do have to do. Benitez wanted Koulibaly to play simple, to play easy. You know, a central uh, defender doesn't have to... Uh, have the responsibility of uh, taking like 20 meters passes. No, he needs to take the uh, possession back and then make an easy pass to maybe ideally a regista midfielder, a Jorginho, a Lobotka. So I'm mentioning this is because we've seen Koulibaly doing the exact opposite the whole season. Okay. And uh, it's funny to me because every time he does that and some very rarely is is successful. It doesn't really make any like big mistake. You usually don't pay when he yeah. does a mistake like that. But when he does that, he celebrated. Like I'm, I'm surrounded by people that when Koulibaly takes the ball and goes forward, everyone gets excited. Like, oh, wow, Koulibaly is doing it. Wow, he's going forward. I said, no, guys, this is a bad sign. This means that, especially because he does that when we don't need him to do it. Because we, he usually does that when, we're, when we are not winning. He yeah. does that when we are desperate. And yeah. so... Fellow fans, they see him going forward and they say, oh, finally something is taking responsibility. But no, man. And not just because it's not his role, but also because, let's be honest, he can't do it. He's <laughs> not able to do it. He can't shoot. Like every like one every 10 times, he does something. Like maybe he earns us a corner or maybe yeah. eventually he does like a decent pass going forward. But that like nine out of 10 times, it's really bad. It's really bad. It produces nothing, and it's a risk for the whole defense because it leaves his, his place in the defense. And you've got so, other people to cover who aren't necessarily good at doing that. I, mean, I will say, because there'll be people screaming at their phones now, saying, well, what about the goal in the last game that came from that amazing Kulabali pass that started a, a, a counter-attack? But I think you're right that it's a game. I think that's fine, but if that's the only thing we're relying on, then something's wrong. And I think... You know, and I don't like calling out individual players, but I was really disappointed in Fabian. Uh, I thought he had a terrible game because yeah. I think that it's it's his role. It really is his role to to make things happen. And mm-hmm. you know, if, if Fabian has a better game, Rachmani doesn't go on that run. Because, you know what, you know what I said. I think what I said applies to all the players, not just Kulibali. I'm mentioning Koulibaly because it was very clear. It's in, it's in his own words. So it's very important. It was very, like, I remember that it was a very memorable interview uh, because it was very enlightening for me to know, like, you know, the behind the scenes of these tactical discussions. But yeah, no, it applies to everyone. As you said, when they go forward, someone has, uh, uh, has to cover 
in, in the case of the goal we considered against Fiorentina was Lobotka. Uh, for large parts of the game, Lobotka was actually our most uh, defensive player. Like he was behind Koulibaly and Ramani. It was so weird. Maybe, maybe it was hard to notice on television. I'm not sure. But I was pointing it out to my friend. I was like, look at Lobotka. He's like, he's like in the same line as, as Ospina sometimes. It's amazing, you know, like. And I do think Lobotka is quite good, tactically speaking. I think he understands, you know, where he has to go, his position. So, uh, yeah, there was also a bad sign. And obviously, I don't blame him for obviously slipping on the on the goal. You know, it was a desperate move for him to co- try to cover. But it was, yeah, I mean, what can we ask him to do? So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he's had a great season. People are going to occasionally make mistakes. I think my issue with, with Fabian is it's happened too many times. He's had some great moments this season. He's had too many games when he just hasn't really turned up and then, and I could ask you actually McKinley we're completely off script actually here but it's interesting when I was watching on TV particularly in the first half there was this huge gap between Ossiemen and the rest of the team which we've talked about before and it keeps happening like how noticeable was that in in the stadium that you've got it was embarrassing I was uh, at one point in the game I said I also said to my friend you know like every time we counter attack it's literally Aussie men and the guy bringing the ball forward. And that's it. And the rest of the team is 40 meters behind. And that's it. You know, like they attack alone and Politano or Insigne are so far behind and there is no contribution. They have no help. They, uh, they don't assist the, the play. And that's why we have problem uh, with, with scoring goals because that's, that's our problem currently. I mean, we are also conceding a lot of goals, unfortunately, right now. But yeah. our problem throughout the whole season was scoring goals. You know, we we really didn't do that enough, and uh, I think that's the reason. You know, like Insigne scored one goal from open play, if I'm not mistaken, just one goal. Yep. Um, Politano didn't really do enough. Cieliski don't even. I don't even want to. No, talk he hasn't been the same since. It hasn't been the same since COVID. I think. No, but you see, like the whole line. You know, the whole line: yeah, Insigne, yeah. Cieliski, Politano, or Lozano. Like how many th- how many good games have they had? Yeah. Like very few, very few, you know. And, and yeah, as you say, like okay, you've mentioned some individuals, but you've also mentioned the line. You've mentioned the system, and there's something. Um, in fact, I'm going to bring up a tweet we got from. I'm not sure which Raf, but one of the uh, <laughs> Napoli rants tweeted in and said. We discussed it on our rant, but I want to know from you guys if you see a dip in quality from our wing play compared to Rino Gattuso's wings last season. If you think so, is it coaching or something else? So it kind of speaks into what we're saying, but I suppose we're looking more specifically at the wings. And it's true. If you look at last season, you know, Chucky had a really good campaign and Signe did too. Um, nowhere near the same here. Do you think it's a, you know, you've, you've, you've been in the Curva B looking at this team. Have you noticed a big difference in that sort of attacking wide play? Oh, definitely, definitely. I think I think our wingers are, are having their worst season uh, in their career, basically. So no, that's really disappointing. It, it was definitely. I mean, the numbers are very clear. They were much better with um, with with Gattuso. I don't want to. I mean, I'm happy Gattuso is gone. Let's be clear, you know. And I'm happy we have we have Spalletti. I think Spalletti is a better manager, and I think this team is a better team under Spalletti. Agreed. But, 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 having said that, Gattuso's uh, performance 
wasn't that far behind. You know, in terms of numbers, I'm just talking about numbers. I think yeah. this team is what, like, I, I don't I don't have the exact number, but I think already a week ago, we are only like six or five points ahead of last year's Gattuso at the same, you know, at the same time last season. And so they were about the, to go on a great run as well, if you think they won loads. Exactly. That last game, which we're never going to talk about. Oh, yeah, I think I think we finished with what, like 76 points or something like that? Yeah, 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 something, yeah. and uh, yeah, we I mean we can we can still do better, but you know it's not it's not that easy. So yeah, I do think we are better, but we definitely have problems. That's that's clear. I mean, I don't I don't understand how people can ignore it. I don't want to rant about it, you know, like we already have a podcast for that. But uh, I really I really do think you know I find it strange that people kind of forget that we've been having this problem for many months now. I feel like sometimes just people just look at the table and the results, which is, you know, fair enough. And they say, okay, we're a good team. But, you know, eventually, eventually, you know, our problem issues just uh, catch up, you know, like if we have, if you have bad performances throughout the whole season, sooner or later, the results will show, you know, and um, uh, yeah, well, we've been, so what, we've been what quite inconsistent. What, 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 what are people saying in the cover or you know, friends of yours or whatever, what's, what's the kind of, what does, what does Naples want, Michele? Like what, what's the answer or what sort, or is it more just expressing frustration? No, man, it's really, you know, it's really frustrating. You know, like we joke about me believing, not believing. I think it's much easier to believe if we, if you don't live here, I'll be honest. I don't want to, it's really like, I don't know what it is, but it's really hard to believe after these very bad performances, you know? I'm, yeah. I'm very rational. I'm very emotional about this. When you go inside the stadium and you look forward to the game in the stadium for the whole week and you have this high expectation, you see the table, and you're there, you know, you can fight for it. And then you go to the stadium and you see Napoli playing so badly, you know, not even trying and losing soundly against Fiorentina which is a good team, but it's a must win for us. Then yeah. how, how can you hope? How can you hope? How can you have hope when you see such a bad performance from a team which is supposed to win against a weaker side, an objectively weaker side? It's really hard. It's frustrating. It's really frustrating for everyone. It's, I think right now the whole city is really down. You know, it's really frustrated. It's really sad. It's, uh, I don't think you're going to find a lot of believers around here right now, you know, it's... Um, so it's the last kind of... episode was to believe or not to believe. And it seems like the, the famous rhetorical question that Hamlet asks um, has been answered, which is to, to not believe. Now, I'm going to just take you back in time now, Michele, to a time before the end result. So you, you briefly alluded to it now. So what was... What were the vibrations pre-game? So when oh. you're in the cover and you sent me this. I don't think you can hear it. Can you can hear, you hear that? No. You, you sent me a chant before. Yeah, no, I did. I did, I did. So what was this? And what does that say? The chant says... I don't remember. I think it's one of the worst chants, to be honest. It's just a standard. It's just a start. You know, like what happens is that Curva B, before the kickoff, they chant very um, egocentric chants, let's say, you know. They celebrate the ultras culture. 
they chant about ultras, they chant about banned ultras from the stadium, you know, they chant about, we, they had a lot of chants about Chiro, well, not Chiro Mertens, Chiro, the guy who sadly died against, uh, in the Coppa Italia final, before the Coppa Italia final against uh, Fiorentina, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was shot by a fascist Roma fan in Rome and he died. So there were a lot of chants uh, for, for Chiro. I don't, I don't know if, maybe it was because it was anniversary of his death or something like that. Uh, or very close to him. Maybe it was his birthday. I don't, I don't Because there was also a, a flag which I don't remember seeing before with Chiro's face on it. And there were like a five minutes of chance for Chiro. Something like Chiro vive con noi. Chiro is still with us. Oh, great. Chiro okay. lives on. And uh, yeah, so until kickoff, they chant about the ultras culture, you know, the missing, the dead ultras or, you know, Chiro and uh, all this other stuff. And the, the chant I sent you, uh, which I don't know if you guys could hear was a chant about um, um, like ultras following Napoli uh, despite the po- police best efforts to ban them all from the stadium. Let's okay. say, let's say something like that. Yeah, that, well, you're not gonna be surprised to know that many chants from the ultras are kind of against the police. They don't have a very no, nice relationship. Not. Yeah, they don't have a nice relationship. So, yeah, I didn't chant that particular chant. I don't really enjoy chanting for the sake of, you know, like the ultras mentality and stuff. I do agree with most of what they do. I don't like when they chant about just like being ultras, also because I'm not one. So, So did you notice sort of more chanting about ultra culture than the team? And do you think that speaks to this fact that there isn't a huge amount of belief, would you say? Or is that just the random message that you sent me? No, no, no. That's, you know, as I said, before kickoff, they always do that. So that's just traditional. That's not, nothing different from, from any, other, any other game. What I noticed is that obviously, I mean, this, the game was at Sunday at 3 p.m., and which is the best kickoff time for everyone. You know, we love it. It's also the traditional Serie A kick off time and people you know kind of well obviously the young the young ones not anymore uh but people are still very attached to the 3 p.m kickoff time you know they really love it so when napoli plays at 3 p.m people are really people a lot of like i think uh people are more inclined and happier to go to the stadium and uh it's a very nice kick off time i do prefer it myself uh you can tell you know you could i was there since 11 a.m well, you were busy. You have millions of tickets and stuff to sort out, right? Yeah, b- billions, billions of tickets. <laughs> and yeah, I was there to, you know, to allow people to collect the tickets. And uh, yeah, we had a, a coffee and a glass of wine and a beer with uh, some people who stayed with me until kickoff, basically. Uh, nice. It was very, very, yeah, very nice. That all sounds work. great. It sounds very different. And then, you know, you went in and the people were singing. So would you say that there was a kind of sense of like looking forward to the game? Absolutely. Or was it more... Yeah, no, absolutely. No, the funny part is that obviously, I mean, I, I got inside the stadium quite late because of the tickets, obviously. And um, you could tell from outside, you know, you can actually hear all the fans inside, uh, you know, chanting as soon as the Fiorentina players start. So basically what happens is that the, the teams obviously reach the stadium. And the first thing they do is they have a walk on the pitch just to feel, uh, you know, just to sense it a little bit to see how the stadium is and stuff like that. They do this around... Um, like one hour, one hour and a half before kickoff. So before before going to the dressing room and before um, warm up. So as soon as like I was still outside the stadium, one hour and a half, the stadium was already basically packed 
And uh, yeah, I, I heard a lot of whistles, a lot of boos, and yeah, I realized that where obviously Fiorentina plays on the pitch, it usually happens, but there were this time around, because of the big attendance and because of you know the importance of the game, they were particularly loud, you know, the boos and the whistles. Uh, so, maybe that motivated Fiorentina. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe, maybe they did yeah. Come out and, and you sent me something else. You sent me a video, and what I'm going to do is actually I'm going to edit some of the stuff in so people can hear it. But the the video that I am currently playing is a particular player warming up, and there was a, a big moment, wasn't there, in in the warm up, Michele? Yeah. So as I said, when Mario Rui, like when. Like the last part of the warm up is uh, shooting. You know, the old players get in line and they shoot. Uh, um, they shoot to score basically. They shoot against the, the goalkeepers um, towards the goal. And uh, you know, like when when other when normal players with all the players shoot, you know, nothing happens. I and mean, maybe they, if they score a particularly nice goal, they get a few claps, not many, or maybe like a wow or something. But then it comes my Ruiz turn. When yeah. Maya Rui, when it's Mario Rui's turn, then yeah, the stadium gets loud. And he scored one, and it was incredible. So you mentioned this on a, on a previous podcast, and it was great, and it is a huge. And hopefully, we can you'll be able to hear it, listeners at home. A huge roar, and so there was all this optimism. I'd, I'd, I'm not gonna lie, I'd had a few beers and glasses of wine applied to me by my hosp, hosp, very hospitable in-laws. So I had a great sense of optimism and you were sending us this material on the pack stadium. Um, should we should all I play know? the video? Yeah, if we can hear it, go on. And now comes Mario Ruiz's turn. Oh no, we can't hear it, Michele. So what I'll do is I'll just, I'll edit, I'll edit this in. Fair enough. So, so I'm going to say... About here, we're going to hear my experience. All right. There we go. I've given myself a job. So, yeah, there was all this optimism. There was a lot of, you know, it was, it was a great moment. And, like, we started all right. Was there a turnaround? So when did the pessimism kick in? What was your reaction to the Fiorentina goal? And how hard was it to keep singing? You know, we felt defeated. Um, it wasn't unexpected. Because we weren't playing well, but we felt very defeated. But we kept chanting and we kept fighting, especially because it was more or less like what happened against Sudinese. You know, we conceded first and then we actually went on and, and, and won the game. Uh, this time around, unfortunately, Fiorentina is not Udinese. Udinese, you know, with all due respect, you know, Udinese is not that great of a team. Fiorentina is a well-managed team. And uh, yeah, once they scored, they they remain focused. They remain very compact. You know, like they were. They played up. Tactically speaking, they played a wonderful game. It was really nice to see. You know, they they uh, pressed our defense and they pressed our um, our players as a team the whole time. Oh, incredible the, press on the defense. I mean, very very nice. You know, were, but that was really caused by the tactics, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So it was beautiful to see. Unfortunately. And uh, yeah, you know, like we scored, but to be honest, after we scored, um, we were hoping, we were hoping for it. I think we all believe that we could win the game. Uh, again, the last, just, just a few days uh, before that, we won against Sudanese, basically in the exact same way. So we were hoping to see it again. And uh, I did believe we could win because 
Napoli is a team that plays on enthusiasm, you know. So after we score a goal, a goal, I think the players get motivated and they start to push much more. Unfortunately, yeah. we weren't able to break Fiorentina. We had a f- nice, you know, a few chances. I think on the at the beginning of the game, I still don't understand what what uh, Fabian did. He was alone, basically, in front of the goal, and he passed back to Zeliski. That was right in front of me. That was under Curva B. I. You know, I had a flashback to Michu. You know, I, I don't know if you remember. I yeah, I call it. A, I say. I say he pulled a Michu. I said it immediately. <laughs> For those of you who don't remember, it was against. Uh, I think it was against Athletic Bilbao. It was a Champions it's League. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Champions League playoff, and um, there was a very important game. I think it was with probably with Benitez. I don't want to be wrong, but yeah, Michu was exactly in the same position. He had basically, he was free to shoot. He was right in front of the, the keeper. And for some reason, he wasn't even marked. For some reason, he decided against shooting. And he passed the ball to his, uh, to his teammate. I don't remember who. But yeah, he didn't score, obviously. And, One of the uh, worst signings in history. Of absolutely. I, I still have flashbacks, you know, like uh, we joke very often about that. You know, like when, when they missed an open, like very easy goal. And instead of shooting, they passed to a teammate. We call it a Michu. You know, he did a Michu. And yeah, he, he really did a Michu there. He's a legend in Wales, but very much not a legend in Naples. Um, so, okay, we go behind. You keep singing. We come back to, to Chiro Mertens. How do people react to, to, to Lozano coming on? Because he came on at half time, didn't he? Or was it shortly after half time? I can't remember now. It was, we're hopeful. Again, I mean... We didn't like the team, you know, the performance so far. So any any change was welcome, but I mean, it okay. didn't do much. Yeah. We when when Mertens went on though, yep, that was that was nice. And there's another and, uh, chant which I will queue up, um, which you sent me about. Well, no, that was after the goal, right? After yeah, Kiro. yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, because then he scored, and uh, we were very happy about that, obviously. And but... both Chiro Mertens were in the stadium because his 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 wee band, his new his new arrival, Chiro Romeo, uh, was there with his little yeah. headphones on. Yeah, that was really nice. And I think for the first time, I, I can't recall if they did they, they did it before, but for the first time, our speaker, Decibel Bellini, instead of yeah. you know, like usually after a goal, he says the name of the player and the whole stadium chants the the surname of the player. And uh, for the first time, I think instead of saying Dries, he said Chiro. I think four or five times he said Chiro and the old stadium Mertens. You know, it was really nice. Oh, but, that's yeah. really cool. I mean, he's a, a legend, that guy, the way that he gets everyone going. And it must have been great for him to have a full stadium as well. Yeah. Uh, but um, so, okay, so then everything goes wrong. We kind of talked about that. So who was, you've mentioned poor old Zanoli getting some, getting some belters from you who else like who was the target of a lot of the frustration from the cover no to be honest like look i mean something i want to mention is that you know despite these bad performances the the crowd remains supportive so no players get booed no players and sometimes you know like maybe people hearing are gonna think yeah of course you're not gonna boo players you know we are second or third in the table but that's not easy to say during the game in the stadium people are very emotional they're very rational and you do stuff that do you maybe later forget and uh, and regret um yeah. so it's not easy when 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 they make so many mistakes it's not hard to it's not easy to have you know, like a, a long-term perspective on, oh yeah, but you know, but these these players usually great. It just made a 
a, ba- a bad mistake this one time. It's not easy to think like that. You know, you, you see a mistake, you want to boo it. You know, you want to, you react to it immediately because well, it's right in front of you. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. You're surrounded so with, by people. Yeah. With, with Dramani, it was the same. When he made a mistake, you know, a lot of people complained about that. But I do want to say again that the, the fans remain supportive. So, so far, despite losing eight times at home, so far in the season, we never booed anyone. We never booed the team. Actually, after the game, they still, even, even on, on Sunday against Fiorentina, after the, after the final whistle, the players, not all of them, but some players, uh, go around the stadium thanking the, you know, section by section. They go around the stadium thanking the fans. Um, they start in Curva A, they make their way through the Stinti, and then they come to Curva B, and then they head to the dressing room. Uh, they didn't receive anything but claps and um, applauses. We, you know, I, I'll be honest here, I didn't do it. I didn't applaud. I was too, no, I was, it's not like they didn't deserve it. I am thankful for the players. And I'm going to say now, if, if we don't win, and I don't think we're going to win. But I'm still going to be happy about it. You know, like Champions League is still a dream. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really a dream of mine. I'm still, I'm still not used to Napoli participating in the Champions League. Which same might be, I feel exactly yeah. the same. I started right? really watching this club properly in the mid-1990s when I was a kid. And it was free to air on Channel 4 in the UK. And everyone was supporting Milan or Inter or Fiorentina or Juve. And because of some stupid reason, I was supporting Napoli. So I watched them <laughs> and they were awful. And then I had to find VHSs and watch them from there. So I love the fact that, that we, and, you know, the moment when we came back into the Champions League, there's great victories against Chelsea and the Cavani performances. The wonderful night. So I still, you know, I miss us not being in the Champions League. I completely agree. And also this team has had a tough year, man. Like the African Cup of Nations taking so many players away, a lot of injuries. COVID hitting and actually hitting us quite badly. Like imagine you're one of Zelinsky's teammates and you see the effect that that virus has had on him. Like that's tough, you know? So I, I agree. I also respect the fact that in the heat of the moment, Michele, you were pissed off and you didn't want to give him a, a round of applause. You know what I mean? No, man. No, I really like, I really fought, you know, with it, you know, because they came to so much Curva B and I'm happy they do it. You know, I, I, I applaud them for it. I didn't do it, but I metaphorically applaud, applaud them for it because it's not, yeah, because it's not easy. You know, after you lose a game, yeah, it's not easy to walk around the stadium, a full stadium, and you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you can be applauded, but you can also be booed, you know. And again, not all, not all players do it. Some players, especially after we lose, it's easy to do it when you win. It's very easy oh, yeah. to do it when you win. But some players, after we lose, they head straight to the dressing room. Uh, so who, usually, who, who stayed? Who, who I don't, stayed? Like, I'm trying to remember. I can like Chiro Mertens is always is always going around the stadium. Koulibaly is always going around the stadium. I think Lobotka too. Um, I love Lobotka. I love that guy. You know, he really uh, he can stay in the team. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, but for example, Osimen Osimen is a very emotional player. He heads straight to the dressing room. He doesn't go around the stadium when we lose. Yeah, he doesn't do that. Yeah, so, you know, like it's maybe like four or five players walking around the stadium. Um, basically, I, I don't want to say apologizing to the fans because it's not an apology, but kind of like thanking, thanking the fans for showing up. And I do appreciate that. Having said that, I was so angry 
you know, for the, let's say, for the result that I couldn't, like, I just sat on my seat, you know, very defeated, and I couldn't get up to upload them. I, again, I'm thankful. I appreciate what they did, but still, I couldn't, I'm sorry, I'm not strong enough to... Michele, you are your own man. You've got to follow your heart. You know, it's fine. I'm not going to judge you. There might be people listening that are, but that's fine. Um, talking of applause, there was a former Napoli player, dare I say legend, uh, that came off the bench onto the pitch, Jose Callahan. And I asked our listeners for some memories of him. Sounds like he's dead. He's not. Some memories of him playing for the team. <laughs> um, Chris Kelly, uh, representing Yorkshire, um, says Callahan was a player who, whilst playing for Napoli, never got time off for good behaviour. Um, injury or suspension were the only way to give him a rest, uh, much like Giovanni Di Lorenzo now. Are we a team who over relies on our right sided players? I'm going to come back to that question in a second, Chris, but uh, Michele, I just want to hear the reaction that, that Callahan got when he came onto the pitch from the pack stadium. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. I was really looking forward to it. I think I saw an Instagram, as I said, I only use Instagram to follow. Uh, Napoli players, Napoli players' wives and like daughters, sons, parents. So I follow Callejon's daughter um, and she, she shared on Instagram a post from a Napoli fan saying uh, something like, I can't wait for Callejon to have his sending ovation finally because when he left, it was during COVID, so he didn't get one. And she posted it. And uh, yeah, so I think, obviously, I think I mean, that means that they probably discussed it at home and uh, he was all, also looking forward to it. So when he came on, uh, we were already losing, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, w- when we came on, he, despite, you know, despite the general mood in the stadium, people were really angry and sad and defeated. Um, he received a standing ovation from the whole stadium. A very big one, a very loud one and a very uh, long one too. It was so big and long that actually Kayon had to respond. So, and that was during the game. Wow. Uh, Kayon, yeah. Kayon, I don't, I don't, did you see it on television? I don't know if they showed it, but Kayon actually turned around. They actually, you know, raised a hand. They actually thanked the whole stadium uh, yeah. while we were applauding him. So there was a really nice moment. You know, I really, to be honest, at that moment, I said to my friend, are you ready for Kayon's goal against us? Because yeah, that's yeah. what's going to happen. And that that nearly happened. That nearly that was really good. that was really close. He almost scored. It was really good. He, he went he went close, but you know yeah. it was. I love I love Kayon. He meant a lot to us. He meant a lot to to everyone here. Mm. Yeah, and I think I, a lot of people I speak to in Naples are a huge fan of his, and I think some people got quite frustrated with him towards the end of his career, but. I love him. And I think that he always gave everything. And I thought that he was a really intelligent player as well. Like the way it's interesting because you were in the stadium, you could probably see more of what Callahan did for the team than people watching on TV, right? No, but even like he stayed here for so long. And uh, I think Napoli fans are very, they recognize uh, loyalty and they appreciate loyalty and they appreciate when players show respect to the team and the club. I mean, who doesn't, right? But I do think that some people don't believe that that's the case. So um, Cavani is famous because Cavani now is, I mean, now it's probably like generally loved in Napoli. But when Cavani came back to Napoli after he joined PSG, it was actually heavily booed. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I, I don't remember people, uh, I don't think people remember it, but 
I think he played a, a friendly with PSG. It was part of the deal, you know, to play a friendly at the Sao Paulo against PSG. And when he came here, it was very badly received. People didn't like him at all. And uh, I still haven't forgiven him, Michele. I'm sorry. I mean, I loved, I loved the way he played for the for the club. But he only played. He's only there for three seasons. And if he'd stayed, I mean, it's one of for me the big what ifs. If Cavani had stayed, you've got a weak Juve team. You've got, you know, not particularly strong league. And and we probably still would have signed quite a lot of the players that we signed because they weren't expensive, like Kulubali, Mertens, Callahan. But then again, uh, you got you, you got Iwain after him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And he did play very well for Napoli. He did. But then he but, did leave. Yeah, that's true. What I want to say about Cavani is that he always said, he always said in every interview when they asked him, are you going to stay in Napoli forever? Because... I don't know, Italian journalists always always ask that, you know, because they know that our like Napoli fans really want players like good ones to stay here forever. And they always asked him that. And he never said yes. He never he, he said, I don't know. I'm not sure. Eventually, maybe not. He was always honest about that. I have to be That's a good point, McKenna. That, yeah, he was never that sort of and Gonzalo Higuaron was different. You know, he was like he did make some noise. Snake. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but nice to think about Callahan. And I, I used to love playing. You know, he had that signature goal as well, which was great to see. But he just is a clever player. He's, I'd like clever players. Like if you were to look at his statistics, if you were to look at him on Football Manager, you wouldn't be like, well, he's very fast or he's very good at this, or very good at that. But he had brains. And I like players with brains. And I think that that helps. So anyway, um, Yeah, I think we talked about that enough. It was just not fun. But we got Roma coming up. How are the ticket sales? They haven't started yet. So oh. they, the tickets oh. go on sale tomorrow. And uh, they actually increase the prices. So this is a weird game because they, we play on Monday after Easter, which in Italy is kind of, well, it's a holiday. And yep. it's a holiday where people go... Um, to spend uh, time outside, like outdoor. So they usually have barbecues on Monday. It's called Pasquetta in Italian. Some of you might know that. So it's kind of weird because I'm not sure whether people will give up their plans to come watch the game against Roma. Because I, I know that some people, like a lot of my friends, will not go to the stadium because of Pasquetta, because they already had plans. Uh, and they they actually moved the game. I mean, they didn't really move the game because it was never definitive, but they, like, the game was supposed to take place on Saturday initially, and uh, because of Roma, um, Roma's games, they moved it to Monday. So a lot of people weren't prepared for that, and I do think a lot of people will not give out their Pasquetta plans to go watch the game. So I'll be honest, I don't expect, like, a, a sold-out this time. It's obviously a big game, And yeah. it's the last big game of the season in terms of rivals, of course, because it's after that we have Sassuolo and we have Genoa, which obviously, I mean, they could be big games in terms of, you know, table and where we stand on the table. Yeah. But Roma, obviously, it's a very traditional game. Uh, what is it? Like. Derby del Sole. Is that what it's Derby like? del Sole, yeah. And uh, yeah, Derby del Sole back when Roma fans and Napoli fans actually liked each other. Because some people yeah. maybe don't know that there were there were 
how do you say it in English? The gemellati says in Italian. They actually had a special special relationship. Um, we don't really have that. We don't really have that. But yeah, it, they were basically allied. Let's say like the same relation we had with Genoa fans. Yeah, uh, there was in the eighties with uh, in the seventies with uh, with Roma fans, you know, and then and then unfortunately that well now it's quite the opposite. But it's oh, still yeah. a very it's a very big game. Um, I do think you know uh, I don't think it's gonna be a sold out, but I don't expect the team to be empty. It is strange that Napoli actually decided to increase prices. I know a lot of people. I think a lot of people are unfamiliar with how Napoli works and. When I shared the ticket prices on on Twitter and on my social medias, a lot of, I had a couple of guys commenting saying, "Wow, these tickets are cheap because the curva upper curva costs thirty euros and upper distinti, so the long side uh, section costs forty five and yeah. Uh, yeah, so they range from fifteen euros to eighty five euros and a lot of people said, "Oh wow, that's cheap I just want to, I didn't say it on on social media I didn't answer, but I want to say here they are not cheap, so for Napoli standards. These tickets are very expensive. 30 euros for curva is very expensive uh, for upper curva. 45 uh, euros for distinti is very expensive. I want to remind people that Napoli, unfortunately, doesn't offer any discounts. So um, everyone, like if you are 40, um, uh, older than four, you have to pay for, uh, for adult tickets. There are no tickets for uh, retired uh, you know, uh, people, no, tickets, no discounts for women, no discounts for... For children again so uh, again it's very expensive and usually you know when when tickets are that expensive uh you know the fans don't react too well well i was going to say that has been a historic issue particularly with uh, the owner earlier de laurentis no yeah no i'll see i'll say i mean they made a mistake i think they made a mistake with the pricing i don't i have no idea why they waited until napoli played fiorentina to set the prices because until uh, yesterday morning, we didn't know the prices for this, not even the prices for this game. So wow. they waited for Napoli to lose against Fiorentina and then they, then they went, okay, you know what, yeah, now it's a good time to increase prices then. I understand that it's a bigger game than Fiorentina, but I think they would have, I think they should have showed, you know, um, gratitude for the to the fans. Particularly with and the sellout. When was the last exactly. time it was sold out? I think, uh, I've read some contrast, uh, I think it was in 2018. Yeah, it's a long. Uh, again, with, yeah, with an, with uh, Ancelotti against PSG in Champions League. That's what I read. I didn't double. I didn't fact check, but I find it um, likely that that's the case. Napoli so, never yeah, sell out the stadium. The prices It's weird to say to the, everyone that turned up. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna charge you more. Anyway, what would you like to see from the team in Roma? Well, if you know, you watch them play live from the stadium. You're gonna get to see them again. What would you like to see differently on the pitch? I would like them to win. <laughs> let's say, let's say that. Okay, I, I would like them to win. I don't care how they do it at this point. I just would like them to win. And uh, I, you know, like I don't have a problem with the players' attitude. I don't think that's an issue, except for you know a few exceptions. Like I didn't like Zanoli's attitude, for instance. Mm. But I don't think the problem is the attitude. I do think these players want to win. I do think these players really want to fight, and I do think they believe in the title. I don't think they're defeated. The problem is that when we have the ball in our feet, these players improvise. They don't have a clear plan, and unfortunately, it shows. Not, yeah. everyone, or not every time, because I think our players are good players. 
So when you give a ball to a Fabian Ruiz, when you give a ball to Lobotka, you know, they're good players. Something will happen eventually, but it's not due to a clear tactical plan most of the time. It's improvised, you know? Well, and when Sp- Spalletti today was at the university, wasn't he? Or he's been at the university recently and he gave some advice yeah. to the students and it was about being disciplined in your thinking. Yeah, I haven't seen the video yet. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think there is a video. I would really want to see it. I'm very interested in that. But, but yeah, he, no, wrote, he, he wrote a thing. And yeah, no, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, well, maybe you should tell our players that. You know what I mean? Because what you're saying, Michele, is that we want to see some discipline in the thinking. The, 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 the stop improvising. Let's actually think. Let's let's get the job done. You know what I mean? And that's how you win a scudetto. That's how you instill belief in a potential in a in a population that's been burnt in the past. Is that we need to see those players have mental discipline on the pitch. And you're right, that comes from them, but it also comes from the team, but it also comes from the coach, right? Yeah, it's, it's easy to say, you know, like we need discipline and we need to... Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's probably like a, a much deeper issue. I think it's a tactical issue that it's not easy and maybe we're not able to solve, to be honest. And again, I want to say I sound defeated and I keep repeating, I don't believe, but I am happy about this this league i'm happy about what we achieved so far yeah. i do think uh a third place or maybe a fourth i do I, I i at least i hope to finish above juventus but even fourth you know i do think it's it's a good result if we do it and uh, i don't think we should i don't think it would be uh a failure that's for sure oh, no, uh, ha- ha- having said that having said that when we had sari here we had to fight for the title against Juventus. And our complaint was always, you know, this team is good. We are doing so, ba- so, so bad, so, so good. But our problem is that we are facing, we are fighting against a, such a strong team. Juventus. A juggernaut. Just a exactly. winning like, well, how, can you, how can you be better? Like at one point with Conte, they, they, they scored, what, like 102 points. With us, they want they they often won titles by having more than ninety points, which is not that you know it's it's not you know usually you can win a title with 85, 86, 88, yeah, yeah. something like that. And this and and then we always said you know our year will be when Juventus will not perform like that, and when the the amount of points necessary to win the title will be lower. And that's the year you know this is the year. When you can win the title with uh, with a lower amount of points, and oh, yeah. unfortunately, we are not taking advantage of it so far. Let's say so far, obviously. Yeah, and the, you know, the, the last time we had a three a three team race was was two thousand and two, and it is interesting compare. I know I've mentioned it before, but you look at the guys playing for Juventus back then: Del Piero, Trezeguet, Davids, playing for Inter. You got Ronaldo, Vieri, Zanetti. These people playing for Roma. You got Totti and Cassano, and these guys. You know, these were three almost world-class teams and the quality was just terrifying. That isn't this year, is it, Michele? Like, the, you know, Milan drew against Torino. Admittedly, Torino have a great defence and, you know, Bremer in particular, I would really like to see play for, play for Napoli. It's never going to happen, is it? So, yeah, I mean, we just don't know what's going to happen. It's just so stressful, though, man, isn't it? Because, like, it's going to involve play, teams dropping points and, ugh, we're not going to relax, are we? We're going to be here next week and we'll be just as stressed, won't we? Yeah, I think I'm afraid so. I really don't know what to expect. I don't, I don't do predictions. Uh, no, 
I really like, have, even if I, even if I wanted to do it, I had no idea. I would have no idea. You know, we, when we played Roma in Rome back in when November, October, something like that, we didn't have a good game, I think. And we celebrated that tie like a success. We were like, oh, wow, we, we had a, we leave Rome with a point. I think that was a failure. Uh, as we've seen later, it's not that hard to win against this, this Roma team. Yeah. So obviously, obviously we have to go for the win. That's obvious. We can do it. That's also obvious. I honestly have no idea if this thing will show up. I have no idea. Uh, maybe the fact that the stadium is not going to be sold out will help, will help players but, but, perform better. Who knows? Help, I'm a bit frightened of Jose Mourinho's counter-attack against this defense and this, this, this Napoli. Like if... They've been so hot and cold, Roma, this season. But when they've really clicked in that counter-attacking system, it's been a bit scary. Tammy Abraham as well. Like, we really need our defence to, to, to wake up. But um, anyway, that sounded more like a conventional football podcast. I do apologise for talking about um, football tactics. Now, back to something far more in the spirit of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. So before we all go away and get ready for our Easter Neapolitan phrase of the week, Michaela, if you got one. I do have one. It's no, I chose this one in light of the defeat. And uh, it's based on my mood right now because of when Napoli loses, especially like we lost against Fiorentina, I really want nothing to do with the team. I try to forget about football, um, you know, have some kind of like clarity. I don't think about it. I try, I try to stay away from. From all that stuff, because honestly, I need to forget about these defeats. It's really stressful. I after the game, I stayed outside the stadium for another four hours just to ponder and 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 think about the game. I had a panino outside the stadium with a friend, and we stayed there. It was very sunny and it was a nice weather, so we just stayed there outside the stadium to to talk about the game and try to forget in a nice. way and trying to process the defeat. Um, so I'm so the the phrase I chose is this. I think it's quite famous, and maybe some of you already know it. Ogni scarafone è bella mamma soia. So this is a phrase which is also is in one of Pino Daniele's song, which is a, yeah, an artist I really love, Pino Daniele. Yeah, come on, everyone loves Pino Daniele. Yeah, so the, we can translate this phrase as uh, every cockroach is loved by his mother. <laughs> That's how we say it. So, which means that everyone deserves love, let's say. So everyone has at least one person who loves them. And uh, I, I chose this phrase because despite Napoli losing and despite this team being so disappointed so many times throughout the years, I unfortunately still love this team. This is unfortunately the team I will be supporting for the rest of my life. And I love this cockroach. Uh, yeah, I really like can you give us us one small so now we know it gone. Ogni scarafone è bella mamma soia. What better way to end this podcast than with that? Uh, I love it. There's a kind of sort of weird tone of optimism in it, even though it's very not optimistic. I love it. Um, Michaela, any any last thoughts for our listeners, or do you think you've managed to get it all off your chest? I'm still, I'm really sad, guys. I'm sorry if I sounded defeated for doing the whole podcast. But I'm honestly really sad. I really would like this podcast to be a little bit more stable in a way, you know, like the same attitude <laughs> and the same the same tone of voice every week. But it's unfortunately not going to be the case. You're going to have me very sad when Napoli loses. And gonna be, you're going to have me excited and very happy and enthusiastic when Napoli wins. 
So oh, that's same. that's what, what that's do. what you yeah that's what you get this week. I'm sorry, and but hopefully that's what you get when you support Napoli, isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Oh. But no, don't apologize, Michele. It's always great. We're having such great comments about the way that you are on the show. So I think we all really appreciate being able to hear what it's like over in the city that we all want to be in. So um, yeah, if you want to give Michele a follow on Twitter, he's at Napoli Tickets. He's also on other social media sites. I'm at Henry Bell Calcio, and this is part of the Far From Vesuvius podcast network, which is at Far From Vesuvius. Thank you so much for listening. Please do follow us on social media. Give the podcast a, a five-star review that we do deserve and get in touch with us. Let, let us know what you think. What, do you, what you're liking about the show? What would you like to see a bit more of? And Or just give us some love. It's always useful, isn't it, Michele? Um, anyway. Especially, especially now. Yes, we, we need it now more than ever. Anyway, thanks for listening. See you next week. Forza Napoli. Sempre, guys, sempre. Yeah.